Yes, it's Thursday at 4 p.m. Central, so this must be Pillars of Franchising, where we discuss how you can be self-employed. My, I'm Fred McMurray, and my host, co-host is Ray Pillar. How you doing, Ray? I'm doing great. We actually transitioned from winter to summer over the, the one day. <laughs> So it's it's we're having wonderful weather out here right now. It's a little cloudy, but uh, I understand our guest, who is Joe Spry, is enjoying his weather out in the Gulf of Mexico. Is that correct, Joe? Well, no, it'd be the Atlantic Coast, but it's close. Atlantic Coast, Stream sorry. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. The Atlantic <laughs> Stream, the Gulf Stream affects us. Oh, okay, okay. So, Joe. Yeah, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, yeah, thank you, Ray and Fred. Um, I uh, was with a very large company for 40 short years, and um, during my uh, time moving around from different places, I wound up in Chicago for 27 years, raised a family there, and um, through the course of time became interested in owning my own business because I had been in the corporate world working for another person for a long time. So, um, another, a lot of people actually. So I, um, I said, when I leave this, I'm going to see if I can uh, do something on my own. And I looked at different franchise ideas and, uh, and none of them, uh, came together. I guess I got scared each time, each of the three times. But one day I said, I'm, I'm leaving. I left my big job and went to work for myself. And I went to work in 2010 as a franchise broker. And uh, I decided I was going to be an independent franchise broker. And um, uh, that's what I've been doing for the past eight years. And, uh, you know, I like working uh, for myself. I like working as my own company, and I don't uh, don't have any shareholders to worry about, which is a good so, thing. So what is an independent franchise broker. We, we've talked with people that were four-fee brokers or four-fee consultants and, and free franchise consultants. What's an, you said independent franchise broker. What's an independent franchise broker? How, how does that differ well, from the other one? Well, uh, there are a lot of us out there uh, in organizations that we network with so that we have access to different companies. But independent means that we can work with any franchise that we like with an agreement, of course, uh, and we can create the agreement. And, uh, and we don't have to be tied into a series of six franchises or two franchises or the ones that a particular network, if you happen to be a member of that type of network, requires you to talk to. You can't talk to other franchise companies. And um, the idea is that I'm able to to be flexible based on what the client needs. And um, um, but I am still a member of an organization as a um, as, as, I guess an associate to the group or an affiliate to the group. But uh, don't have to stay within the group norm as far as how many franchise different franchise companies I work with, and uh, all of the all of the money that uh, would I, I would earn I wouldn't be sharing with anybody else except my wife. Uh, and she gets eighty percent, right? Uh, she gets all of it. 
Okay. Well, you said share, all of it. So. It's a, well, that's share, right? It's a fair way to do it. A happy wife is a happy life. Absolutely. I want to kind of I want to kind of pounce on a word that you said uh, uh, that you were scared, and I think that happens to a lot of people. Uh, they they're in the corporate world, and as in in my case, I was in the, in in the technical field, uh, and uh, it kind of uh, how should I say the first business I was with, the equipment I was working on got downsized, so they didn't need field people. So I I was managing a large field group. The second uh, business was uh, VCRs with Sharp and and then landline telephone equipment with uh, another company. And all, I got laid off for all these things, and I was 55 and scared. And that's why I started this business. And I think my question to you is how many people do you run into who are looking for something who are scared because of uh, the events that have happened in their past? Well, um, in my case, uh, as, as an example, the scared part was I had a, I had a job, and it was, uh, I was being paid well. Uh, I didn't dislike my job, but I was working for someone else. Uh, however, I felt like I could do the same thing and uh have a, a a piece of the action if you will as far as the profits and such and also have an investment in the future for retirement or whatever it might be but i was afraid or scared to say i'm not going to have this bucket of money that i have that's coming in as my salary and benefits i'm going to have to do it on my own and making that uh separation was uh, was a bit scary because I looked at, I told you, three different occasions, three different franchise concepts, and they were good. In fact, they're they're all still in business and they're doing just fine. Um, and uh, but I I didn't want to make that big leap. However, there was a point that I said, you know, I've I've got to do this now because I'm not getting any younger. And uh, I uh, officially retired from the company I was with. It was a good separation, and again, it was a good run. But what I said was I'm going to to uh, apply what I've learned uh, over the years through this business, the different jobs I've had and the different moves I've made, and I'm going to use that as a base and um, and learn how the small business community works and in doing so, I'm going to be able to help people become business owners, and hopefully uh, a lot younger than I decided to do it, because um, the, usually the, the typical candidate in this case, and it's it's moved a bit, but the typical candidate is someone who's uh, been in the, in the corporate world for 15, 20 years, and they see opportunities that are missed, uh, they see things they could do that they know they feel comfortable doing but haven't decided I'm going to break the cord and go do it myself. And um, be it buying a small business or owning a franchise or being a licensed business or whatever it might be. But that's the typical client, one who is um, 
looking at being having the sense of accomplishment of owning a business and taking the steps to move on. Now, sometimes it's because you have to, because of downsizing, right-sizing, whatever might be called. Uh, in other cases, it's because you've been through three jobs and you were the last in, so you're the first out in another job. You say, I'm going to stop this craziness now. I'm going to become my own boss. I'm going to take over the range of the business, and I'm going to apply my knowledge I've learned over the years and experience, be it with people and marketing teams or sales teams or operational uh, groups or whatever it might be, and I'm going to make it work for me this time. So I'll go from a linear income to a residual income situation. Um, I mean, that's that's what kind of, uh, when I look back on it, the process was. I was I was scared and didn't do it, and I was uh, I wasn't real smart and should have done it <laughs> 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 because uh, the, the one that I looked at the last before I. Uh, didn't do it uh, was the haircuttery, and in the area we lived in the Fox Valley, there was none. Uh, and the last count, I think there was seventeen. So if I just bought that territory, I probably would be, I would be on a different part of the island. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll take a quick uh, reminder folks if you want to call in and ask Joe or Ray a question or get a snarky comment from me call 323-580-5755 that's 323-580-5755 and thanks to the Link Local Network for allowing us to broadcast Pillars of Franchising. Ray you're back up with the next question. So what you know we were talking about your typical client and basically, you just you kind of give us a, a, a an overview of typical client. And how many how many people would you say that uh, you come across that are like in in my instance who were who, who were laid off? Is that more typical than the than the person who is in the uh, corporate world just looking for something additional, as a, maybe a tax write off? Oh, oh yes. In my case, most of the folks are people who have have um, um, been in, in corporate situations, and their job has ended, or they've ended their job. And usually, the one anyone who would look for it as an investment would want it to be a uh, a non-participating owner, possibly. And those mm-hmm. are uh, those are out there. There are some and. But most franchises that I work with and most franchise clients that I try to place want to be involved in the business, at least in the beginning, so that they can learn what goes on firsthand. And um, mm-hmm. uh, so I guess to answer your question, most of the folks have had, had a, uh, a, a change in jobs or want to voluntarily just can become a, a small business owner, which is what franchising is all about. So on the show in past, the, the first pillar of franchising is choosing the right opportunity. 
and of course Ray and and his many franchise brethren and clients that I have have beat that into my head of you have to choose the right opportunity and um, for the vast majority I think we've spoken to and Ray can correct me if I'm wrong the vast majority have worked with some a consultant like you to um, walk them through as they always put it, checking the right boxes to find the right opportunity. How do you help people select the right opportunity? Well, it's, it's interesting. Usually what people think they want to do and what they wind up doing usually are uh, quite different. Um, someone knows they want to own a business, and many times they'll fall back on the traditional restaurant franchise of some sort. And um, uh, I tell people, if you've never been in the restaurant food service business, you may want to really, really think about that because um, most, most of the time you have to know what you're getting into. There are a lot of things in the food service business that are not um, – uh, all peaches and cream. I mean, not everybody opens a McDonald's every day. So you have to um, uh, start out with, let's back up, what what uh, skill sets do you have? What interests do you have? What hobbies do you have? When you were working, what did you feel you were most comfortable doing? And, and then... Um, uh, the biggest, one of the biggest questions is how much are you comfortable investing in this business? So, you know, it, it has uh, a lot of different aspects, but you don't start with a business specifically other than a point of reference. You start with that person's uh, profile, what they do, what they want to do, what they are comfortable doing what their experiences and skill sets are. And then as you build and work with that client, you develop a trust and a relationship so that uh, you understand their habits. Uh, it takes probably 60 to 90 days to decide. And I use the word decide because I always like to provide three or four choices and and visit those two or three or four choices before anybody makes a decision and then sit and huddle and talk about each one, the pros and cons or the checklist of goods and the checklist of question marks. Um, but that's how you decide by working with that client and understanding what their goals are by way of uh, what their strengths are, what their comfort level is. Where where is their pain, their threshold of pain? You know, are they do they have kids in college or do they have kids that are gonna to go to college or what what type of of commitment could you make to this and uh always always look at it as a full time job. And then uh if one is lucky enough to find the right employees, if it's a business that would have employees then, you know, you might be able to back away a little bit quicker. But you never you – know, you always have to learn what's going on within the framework of that business. And you do that by asking those questions. 
you know, are you comfortable working with employees? Do you like to work with folks who've uh, got a college education and like specific backgrounds so you have different businesses that appeal to the B2B community? Uh, do you like working in a storefront where you have inventory and you're open 10 to 10, six or seven days a week? You know, what are, what are your threshold things? Um, and, and then by that, you can go through with the client in a deliberate way to pick franchise ideas that fit their investment level and is a, mi- a blend with their, their um, comfort, with their skill sets. I also use a, a uh, business profile uh, that, we, that I do. It's on my website, and the FBA is where I was introduced to this, and it helps that client uh, see what their business strengths are. And it's um, mm-hmm. really handy, but it's, it's not the do-all, the end-all, but it gives you, you and the client a lot of insight into how that client would handle particular situations within the framework of business. It's a, it's, you know, it takes about 15 minutes, and, and we share it, and then we can walk through it. One of the things that uh, anybody who knew me 16 years ago before I started the business would be shocked to find out what business I'm in now because I was very, um, very technical person, as, you know, as far as I love working on cars and electronics and, you know, things like that. And, and that's the kind of franchise I was looking for when we started searching. But the consultant I was working with made a statement which – turned on a beacon in my head, a bright light, so to speak. He says, do you want to work in the business or on the business? And, uh, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and, and suddenly it just kind of opened up the horizon and I began looking at other things uh, other than, uh, you know, the technical you know, automobile muffler shop or something like that. And, uh, and that's when I just, uh, yeah, I discovered uh, uh, the franchise I'm in, Molly, Molly made right now. Right. Absolutely. I mean, it's uh, it's that discussion that goes on. And um, uh, I worked with a, a, a young lady who was actually in Naperville, and um, she was uh, had uh, been um, let go, I guess, or was had parted ways with AT and T, and um, you know, years ago, and she'd worked with other companies and such, and. She was uh, sort of on the technical side, and um, so we we talked and we talked, and finally uh, she decided she wanted to work out of her house. Uh, she wanted to work with other businesses because she was comfortable in the business to business environment, which was a good a good um, stepping stone, I guess you'd say. In other words, the continuity, the predictability of having a business customer from year to year is is good. And uh, so she went into a uh, business accounting and financial uh, franchise. Hmm. And, um, and that was completely different than what she thought she would do. And I talked to her before I left. She'd been in it about four years. I talked to her before I left. She said it was the best thing that ever happened to her because she was able to uh, manage her clients. She even said that she could decide who she wanted to and didn't want to do business with because of the things she 
could do for them or couldn't. And uh, mm-hmm. it would feel good because the clients were hers, and they felt like they were almost like a part of her family. <laughs> so it worked yes. out very nicely. Mm-hmm. But you're right. It it can be it can be something you're comfortable with that you've done before or something you didn't realize you were comfortable with that you, hey, I'd like to try that. That looks like that would be fun. And I can apply my uh, HR skills or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, and, I, and I did have a lot of experience in that because all my jobs in the technical field were managerial. So right. I, I dealt with people, both customers and uh employees so and, and i didn't think of it from that perspective when i was looking i was looking at it mostly right. from what, what are my skills that i know and uh, you know you mentioned the food industry my dad was in the food and he was a, a entrepreneur a restaurant entrepreneur uh, entrepreneur and uh, uh i know one say. thing i i know and i i want to stay away from that because i knew all the tribulations that were that come with that and yes. uh, and it's quite a bit, quite a bit, of, you know, yeah. especially if you're first starting out. One of the things that oh, I, yeah. I noticed is nobody wants to even recognize you exist, and they won't give you credit. Everything is cash on the barrel head. Right. <laughs> well, yeah. So, and, and yeah, you're standing at the back door with cash to get bread, and you have people on the other side that want <laughs> sandwiches, so you got a problem. <laughs> That's yeah, yeah. Yep, well, exactly. Well, I mean that, and that goes to that goes to the to the funding aspect of it. You, as a as a consultant, my job, my role, and even in the uh, the volunteer work I do with Score, is to make sure people understand what they really need in order to get into a particular business, not what it says in you know a particular document or the FDD, but what do you really need, and you you really mm-hmm. need money. To, to start the business, and you can find that out from the franchise. But you also need money to live on and money to pay other expenses through, and you need to account for that too. And um, yeah, that's, you know, so people, that's exactly what I tell people. I mean, that's that's one of the things that people who ask me about wanting to start a franchise. I said, whatever the franchise or tells you you need, double or triple that because that's what you really need. Yes, that's right, because all they're telling you is what it costs to start the business and possibly run it for six months. But mm-hmm. you have to – your job as the franchise E is to generate revenue through the business and at an acceptable level minus your expenses so that you can pay back whatever you've decided you're borrowing the money from or whatever might be the case so that when you really do – break even so to speak you really are breaking even and you know you're what to expect mm-hmm. month to month and month and mm-hmm. businesses in all most all businesses it's very cyclical and you might have a bad january and a great july so set something aside in july to cover next january anyway yep. i mean that's, absolutely you just have to be realistic with the client and be the advocate of the client I mean, you know, the, surely I, I would be paid by the franchise to placing them, but I have 350 franchise companies, and the, my role is to place the client with someone that they will be successful with if they follow the franchise uh, book, if you will, the, mm-hmm. the model box, 
business model. Mm -hmm. And um, Mm -hmm. just because it's business in a box doesn't mean there's not work involved. But if you've ever started your own business or seen someone or try to start their own business, every component of startup is a component of what the franchise can provide you, and you have to Mm -hmm. put it together and implement it. That's really the goal. Yeah, and there's a lot to it. I mean, I had started an electrical company a long time ago, and it ran into the 1979 uh, downturn of the economy. So I know that there's a lot involved in starting a business on your own as opposed to a franchise, which, uh, you know, they, they do so much for you, and people don't realize it. And I talk to a lot of people who who own another franchise, as an example, and they, they tell me how terrible they're doing. I says, well, are you following the model? And no, they don't know the, They don't know they're, you know, from a hole in the ground. <laughs> I right, say, wait a minute, right, you're yeah. paying all this money for for knowledge that they've already uh, attained, and, and you're just discarding it? <laughs> you know, yeah. That doesn't yeah, make I'm any dish, sense. Dishing it. I know, and, and um, I guess someone who doesn't have any business uh, exposure versus someone who might have 50 or 100 locations of business exposure probably doesn't have all the answers either. So you have to mm-hmm. you have to give the franchise credit with the multiple locations that are successful, the ones that are. And then mm-hmm. the other thing that comes with the franchise is you have a network of franchisees that you can interface with and talk to about exactly the same problems you're facing, and what that is extremely valuable. Right. I mean, I, I have gone to every, that. I've gone to every convention, and every time I go, I learn something new, implement it in my business. If it works, we keep it. If it doesn't, we move on. But it's amazing right. what you learn from other franchisees. Absolutely, and uh, you know, it's it's just a. Uh, the nature of, of the, the human creature or the human beast, whatever one wants to call us, we have to be talking with someone. We have to have socialization with someone. And when it's in a business environment, you just identify so much with that person who's doing the same thing you're doing. And they're both doing it better. And let's learn. Let's share this, uh, you know, this um, learning that you've had. But... Um, you know, I, and that, that's another part of what a, when I'm working with a client. Um, I want to be sure they understand the value of the startup, how it accelerates getting, you know, the revenue stream started. Um, mm-hmm. You know, some franchises might take two months and some might take six months, depending on the situation. But whatever, at least if you have, you understand it. Um, and you have people to talk with, and you're all talking about the same thing. You don't have different IT people talking to different website people, talking to different accounting people. To You know, it goes on and on. And, and when it's in one bucket, everybody's talking out of the same or saying the same words. And yet everyone should be talking yeah. marketing to me. Um, and with that note, I want to remind everyone, if you're listening, you've got a question to call, Call in at 323-580-5755. That's 323-580-5755. Joe, 
tell us about how the franchise, you're, you're a member of the Franchise Brokers Association. How does that help people buy franchises or become franchisees? Well, um, well uh, the Franchise Brokers Association is dedicated to um, training, development, uh, ongoing um, knowledge, uh, interaction, etc., with franchise brokers, and they do it by way of uh, a very um, uh, structured, specific training program so that you become a certified franchise broker, CFD. And uh, in the process, you learn um, all aspects of franchising, uh, and you are able to, uh, with confidence, talk about the things that go on during the franchise process from the client standpoint. In other words, it provides a professional uh, background and training uh, location for all of us who are independent, um, and it's an ongoing training thing. And we have conventions, we meet franchise companies through trade uh, shows and things like that. And um, I guess I was a member of another group uh, prior to this, and it was very unstructured and uh, kind of um, I was a bit disoriented. And having come from the corporate world, I had, um, you know, you always had a boss, it seemed like. Well, we did. <laughs> so you, um, you would always have somebody calling the shots for you. In this world, you have to call your own shots as a small business owner, but you have a support system in the FBA that helps you, much like the support system in a franchise with other franchisees, helps you learn and grow and be a more professional and effective coach for your uh, for your clients. And, um, you know, they're ever-changing. Ever they always have something new going on. In fact, uh, Molly Maids is one of our one of our premier franchise opportunities through the network. And um I, I was going to ask you that. <laughs> yes, yeah, it is. There's 300 plus, 350 I believe now that have been and the, and the other advantage is they sign the agreements with the franchise company the broker agreements so that if I make um, contact with them, they know who we are, they know what we are, I've met some of them, that makes it a, a, a smooth transition when we talk with the client. And that's, that's the, the benefit of it. It's a professional, uh, dedicated support system that franchise brokers can use to be uh aware of what clients need and help their clients through the process. Give them the best advice possible. So as a quick follow-up, and I'll let Ray say something afterwards, how many uh, members are there of the Franchise uh, Brokers Association? The FBA, I believe, is like 260. And um, they're all over the country. Well, all over the world, really. But... Uh, we're, of course, not the only network of franchise brokers, but um, some you share the the um, uh, payment to, with, you share the, uh, the money you earn with. Uh, others, you have a very limited amount of franchise companies that you can 
represent through them. Um, and this gives those of us who want to do this the flexibility. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, I guess the, the thing you have to do on your own is develop your own lead network. But they have many ways to help you start, you know, make the leads um, more frequent or more quality or whatever it might be. Uh, they don't dictate what you do. They help you do what you do the best. In, uh, uh, well, I'm going to change gears just a little bit, if you don't mind. Um, <laughs> um, go, Ray, go. Once uh, one of your clients has either narrowed it down to um, – um, a select number of, of potential uh, franchises. Uh, what do you recommend they do? In other words, what what do you recommend uh, uh, due diligence? And if so, what does that look like? Well, absolutely. And what's the nice thing about franchising, and it's required, is that the due diligence by way of the FDD, the Franchise Disclosure Document, which is required to be filed with the Federal Trade Commission by all people who are going to be a franchise, all companies, uh, covers um, the points that would be considered due diligence that people may not think about or they may. And that's the first, or one of the things that you look at. The other thing is you, of course, order the FDD by company, and they have to file this every year. In some states, they have to file it with the state also, you know, registration mm-hmm. states. But it just depends mm-hmm. on where you are. In Illinois, it's a registration state. In Georgia, it's not. But the idea is that you, all, you have a consistent set of 23 items that cover the uh, – the company from start to finish, from what it what it is and what it means and what it's supposed to be, through the contract that you would you would use and some of sometimes financials, uh, those are generally averages. Um, but to me, one of the most important parts of the FDD is the list of franchisees who are current and all the contact information, as well as the ones who have left in the last two years. Um, because that gives the the potential franchisee an opportunity to talk to people who are on the ground doing the work, and they can ask the question, did the franchisor live up to their side of the deal? Did they get you set up on time? Did you stay in budget? Do they help you when you need help? Did they help you find a location if that's part of your deal, that you need a specific location? Mm-hmm. Do they do all those things and then – uh, how long did it really take you to break even? <laughs> how much yeah. money did it yeah. really, you know, it's as opposed to something somebody's trying to sell you on, this is real world. And these people many times will talk to you. Now, obviously, they're mm-hmm. small business owners and their financials are theirs, but most of them will work with, talk with new franchisees and and they'll tell you the good, the bad, and the ugly. And then you mm-hmm. take your check sheet, does this meet my goals on the good side? And the bad side I'm not worried about because I can, you know, someone might say I had to work 50 hours last week. Well, um, you might have to work 50 hours in a, in a 
corporate job, you might have to work 50 hours, whatever you do, unloading trucks, yep. you know, to make your money. Mm-hmm. So, yes, you know, mm-hmm. that's something mm-hmm. that's part of the deal. So you just you do that. And, and that's my job is to walk them through that after they've had those conversations. I usually like to be on the call, too. I don't say anything particularly, but I listen. And then we have mm-hmm. a, a, a gathering and discuss what is, how did that fit? What do you think? They may ask me, what do I think? And I'll give them my opinion. And if you know it down to three. Yeah, go ahead. I, I know in my case, uh, I visited five uh, okay. franchises, called five fran- former franchise owners to find out what was the reason they were in business. But right. one, but one of the and I obviously selected Molly Maid because uh, the people who were no longer in business never blamed the franchise or. They said, "Well, I ran out of money. I ran out of interest. Out of money. And didn't care for you know, what you know." That was the prevalent one. <laughs> you know, but yeah. one of the things that I always looked at, and I received a lot of FTDs, you know, because uh, I took a 18-month period in my life and to study what I wanted to do. So, right. one of the things I always looked at was in front was the uh, legal disclosures, and yes. uh, it. it became quite surprising <laughs> a lot of them that, that consisted of the majority of the number of pages in some of them that, uh, and which is of course you know something that you probably want to avoid anybody has got that many uh, legal yes. things going on yeah well if you look at, I will say if you look at it I was going to say yeah go ahead go ahead I was going to say FDD I found FDDs to be very informative and an awesome way to beat insomnia <laughs> it is, yeah. They'll put you to yeah. put you to sleep in it. But um, the uh, the other thing is, uh, if you look at a D and B for any corporation, they'll have the legal, the outstanding legal mm-hmm. stuff. And sometimes it's bigger than the D and B. So yeah. that's a that's kind of a typical thing you look at. I mean, you know, you've got lawsuits that are mm-hmm. everywhere. But you're right. If it's one that has fewer or you know a handful then um, you say, well, that's part of doing business because somebody defaulted on a loan or they did something mm-hmm. you know, they weren't supposed to do in the framework of the franchise agreement. And um, and so, you know, that's what's going to happen. But um, yep. uh, I don't know. I think the other thing to look at is, is turnover. How many new franchisees mm-hmm. came on and how many left during a year? And if you yep. had a... High turnover, why? Is it being misrepresented or is it something that's not, you know, too much competition, not popular now, whatever it might be? Um, and that's the other thing I do is try and guide them to to the competition. You know, always know your competition um, because that's what's going to say, uh, is this a good market for me? And if there's a lot of people in the market, it must be a good market. But there's a lot of people in the market. Are there any left for me? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so you have to you have to weigh it. Um, but you think about in-home care, 10,000 people a day are turning 65, and either their parents or they are eventually going to be in need of some care, and the vast majority would prefer to stay in their home. They don't want to go to assisted living. Therefore, mm-hmm. I have 30 in-home care companies Franchises in my network. 
So, you know, it's yeah, a big business. I think there's two or three in this in the building I'm in. So, yeah, that that's a very oh, popular yeah. franchise. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So, well, there's a there's a big big market to be covered, too. <laughs> mm-hmm, talking definitely. about the market, mm-hmm. well, since we're talking about the market, one, and we're getting low on time, one question I did want to ask is, uh, we we actually talked about uh, home health and dog poop and a bunch of other topics, but <laughs> what our franchise ideas are popular today? In other words, what are the trending or the 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 trendy franchise picks that our people are selecting these days, currently? Well, you know, people are very interested in in health more so than they have been. Uh, in years past, I mean, it's been going on for a few years, but um, health and fitness uh, in the big spectrum, general uh, exercise, uh, people that, one example is, is snap fitness where you can go in and out any time of day or night and do your exercises. You're not stuck with the hours that a bigger facility might have. Um, and then there's specialty fitness. There's uh um, kickboxing and all kinds of things like that. Then the other side of health is health foods, and many restaurant types are uh, are food focused and they're health food focused. Uh, there's one that does nothing but kale, kale salads and stuff like that, you know. And uh, yeah. so it's it's that. And then there's also some vendors that do the the vending machine thing, and they uh, only have health of products in the vending machines and companies like to put them in their vending machine area to show they have a, they care about their employees and things like that so you have a another aspect of the vending machine business so it goes from mm-hmm. small vending machine business up to uh, planet fitness and things like that which are gearing to a broad range of folks another is of course health care and in-home care and uh, in-home went from sweeping the floor and, and going to the store for vegetables and stuff to actual uh, health care using um, uh, health care professionals, RNs and CNAs and things like that. And sometimes companies will do both, like Brightstar and, and such as that. Um, it's evolving to the health care uh, trans- transitioning to permanent care facilities that the, these people are going to begin offering because they're aging even more, the, the client. But those are just a couple that I see a lot. I think Great. one of the Any things of those we you want to, to pick up? Well, I think before we run out of time, Joe needs to tell, us, uh, tell our uh, audience how they can get a hold of him if they want to. Sure. You know, telephone uh, telephone number and and yep. whatever. Phone, phone number 630-809-8642. And uh, my website is spryconsulting.net. My email is joe at spryconsulting.net. And my uh, website has a place on there you can register and send your information in, and I'll get right back to you and we can talk. And I'm usually in my office from 6 in the morning until 8 at night, and usually only six days a week. So, Ah, work-life 
work-life balance. So, folks, <laughs> well, we're I'm almost out of time. Home. I'm in my home, too, so the refrigerator is available. <laughs> yeah. uh, cold beer, always a good thing. <laughs> Yes. We're about out of time. This has been Pillars of Franchising. We want to thank Joe Spry of Spry Consulting and the Franchise Brokers Association. Ray, you got 30 seconds to give us your wisdom on franchising before we're out of here. Definitely consult with a consultant. Uh, it, you know, I, I can't say that enough. Make sure that you're well capitalized and you do your due diligence and I don't think you can go wrong really so hey uh, Fred who we have on next week I'll let you know soon check out the website at <laughs> pillarsoffranchising.com thank you Fred thank you Ray thanks Joe have a good day